Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. And I'm just going to give you a quick 60-second testimony for those that haven't met me, just so you get a little bit of an idea of where Vicky and I have come from. So there once was a time when, uh, you know, our lives were a bit of a mess and, uh, you know, when we were younger and going back into that lifestyle, we were very much involved in the motorbike scene, very much involved in drugs, very much involved in dealing drugs, um, very much involved in all the things that one should not be involved in, very much involved in getting busted by the drug squad, all of those sorts of things. And uh, we thought life was okay until um, one night you know, I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what, when that sort of came along in our lives, it's like, you know, I don't need that. I just don't need that. But then you get a touch, don't you? You know, those that have experienced it, you know, when you get to that place where you you come to the end of yourself and you realise, I'm making a mess of it. And then you just you give your life into Christ. You know, we got so touched on this particular night that, you know, the way he touched us, we left, we walked into this church. Honestly, I had long hair down here and, you know, I had a Harley chained up at the doorway and, and uh, you know, knives and chains and things hanging off me. And, and I walked in there. They knew I needed saving, let me tell you, when I walked into that place. But, um, you know, we, uh, the, we listened to this message this night. The guy gave an altar call and we responded to that and got a touch from God that just transformed and changed our lives. Um, amazingly so. In fact, amazing so much that we decided to celebrate that massive event that night. We thought, let's on the way home, let's score some drugs and uh, and go and, s- and get stoned to celebrate getting saved. And it uh, seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And uh, so we uh, on the way home, we went by this guy's place and we, we picked up and we got there to where we were going to be. And we normally what we would consume in a week, we consumed in like half an hour because this was a big celebration, wasn't it? And they were sitting there looking at each other as straight as the day we were born. Honestly, it didn't have any effect whatsoever. You know, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God when God comes into your life. So I was sharing that with Sue the other day. And she said, you got to tell the guys that when you're on Sunday night. So, okay, I can do that. So tonight we're uh, looking at the title of this sermon is, How Will I Know the Truth? And as you know, for a while now, we've been going through and working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're now up to week 11 of the Sermon on the Mount. And there's only one more to go after this one. And uh, as I sort of was looking through and preparing for this, I can see where it looks like like, like Jesus is, is starting to bring it all together. You know, for, for the last 11 weeks, well, it didn't take him 11 weeks, but for the last 11 weeks for us, we've been unpacking this. And if you remember where we started, we started at the Beatitudes. You know, what a great way that Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount. He started right there. You know, I call it the blessed R's. And you have to say that very carefully from a pulpit, let me tell you. And it was, the, you know, and he said, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And he went on and on and he, he unpacked that just so powerful and beautiful. And then he spoke about salt and light, and we had that message as well. And he said, you are the salt of the earth. And he spoke into that. And then he said something really strange. He said, what use is salt once it loses its saltiness? And he said, it's no good for anything really, just to be trampled underfoot and thrown out. And then the week after that, we looked at, he spoke into murder. How we can murder even in our heart. You know, you can, you can have something or an offence against somebody and, uh, you know, you can get so hard, hard-hearted against that person. It's like you've murdered them in your heart. It's like they're dead to you. 
And after that, then he spoke into adultery. And we know, we know that scripture well too, where he says, if a man lusts after a woman in his heart, then he's already committed adultery with her. And a lot of issues of the heart that Jesus was speaking into in his Sermon on the Mount. And then he spoke into divorce and how easy it was for a man to divorce his wife. He only had to say three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and that was it. And then he spoke about going the second mile. How whatever, whatever is asked of you, don't just go to where you've been asked to go to, but go a bit further. Give a bit more. Take a bit more time. Give a bit more of yourself into that, going the second mile. And then he spoke about a hard one. Then he spoke into about loving our enemies. And that's a hard one to do, isn't it? You know, to love those that have done you know, wrong by you or to, to love those that have spoken against you, that's a really, that's a really tough gig. Then he spoke into giving and he said, you know, when you give, don't be like the hypocrites that, you know, like to be seen for what they do. But he said, when you give, give in secret so that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And that was a beautiful, beautiful week as well that week. Then he spoke to us about prayer. And prayer was an interesting week too because he said, don't pray like the hypocrites do by, you know, thinking that you'll be heard by your many words and your, your, your carryings on about it all. He said, but pray, pray thus. And he taught us how to pray what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And then he spoke to us about worry. And he said, don't worry. You know, which one of you can add one hour to your life by worrying? We just, just don't worry. And it's, it's all right for Jesus to say. He was Jesus. <laughs> we've, got stuff, we've got stuff going on in our life. But he said, don't worry. And then he talked to us about judging. And he said, how quickly and how easily we see the speck in our brother's eye, but we don't see the plank in our own eye. And if you're going to judge, judge yourself first. Look at your own stuff before you worry about the next person. And then last week we had a beautiful message. We had Pastor Sue up at Maitland and she brought us a, a beautiful message on asking and seeking and knocking and continuing. And so here we are coming up now to week 11. And uh, I believe that, you know, we, we see that Jesus is now starting to wrap it all together and, and starting to bring it to a close. And Matthew, our scripture this week is Matthew chapter 7, and we're reading from verses 13 through to 23. Let's go. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. But every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits, You will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, as we gather together in your house this evening, Lord, we just posture ourselves. Lord, we open our minds and we open our hearts to receive, Lord, that for which you've sent your word tonight. And Lord, we pray for your speaker tonight. Lord, that the words that he speaks tonight will be words of life. 
Anoint him and bless him, Lord, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, if you were the one person in the room that didn't say, if you said amen, you're agreeing with that prayer. If you're the one person in the room that didn't say amen, and I messed this up, it's your fault. All right? Just, just say you've got it. Right. Eh? So traditionally, you know, when we look at this scripture, and we look at the beginning of the scripture about the two roads, the wide gate and the narrow gate, there's a traditional way that for years and years and years we've heard this preached. And it's generally always preached about there are only two ways to go. You're either going on the right road or the wrong road. You're going on the good road or you're going on the evil road. And actually in the concordance, in Strong's concordance, it says you're either on the road to heaven or you're on the road to hell. You know, that's quite strong language. But he says, and it says that there is no middle road. Now that's the traditional way of preaching when we look at that, that verse of scripture. But we're not going to do it traditionally tonight. We're going to do it a bit differently. You know how Jesus, when he preached and when he told stories and he often used the familiar, the things that people were used to that didn't freak them out, that they were just things that they were used to, that they were familiar with. He used those things to illustrate a purpose. And so you've got to remember that back in the day when Jesus was preaching this, that uh, Israel was being occupied by Rome. And the Romans were, 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 an amazing, were amazing builders and architects and some of, the, some of the Roman cities and stuff that they built were amazing and many of them are still standing today and you can go and you can walk the streets in some of these old ancient Roman buildings and they're quite astounding, they're phenomenal. But when the Romans would build their building, one of the things that they liked to do is that they would have a wide gate re- leading into their city and, and, and at the entrance to that, to that gate there would be columns on either side and they would either have a statue of, of some famous Roman guy or, or, or some Roman god and every time you walk through that thing, every time you walk through that opening, walk through that gate, you were actually paying homage to that that was placed there as you walked in through the place. And it was the wide gate. And, the, and one of the, thing, the things we know about the Romans is they loved a procession. You know, if you watch the, a lot of the movies on TV, you'll see them. They come in with their horses and their chariots and, you know, and it's a big deal. They love a procession. They love to be seen. And it's their declaration to the world of their, to the world of their superiority. It's like, it's, like, it's, a, it's like a Kath and Kim culture. It's like, look at me, look at me, you know. How good are, how good are we? And it, it really is the way that they did it, and, and it was the place to be. Everybody gathered in that, in that, in that um, processional way, if you like, you know, where, where they would come through in the procession. And it was the place to be. It was a place to be seen. And everybody went in through the wide gate, and the word tells us here, there are many who go in by it. But Jesus said, there's another way. There's a narrow gate. You know, and Jesus was not referring to a physical location of this narrow gate because this gate doesn't have a physical location. This gate is actually it's a condition of the heart, a condition of your heart, which is something that he addressed on numerous occasions throughout his sermon as we've just had a little bit of an unpacking of that, looking at the conditions of our heart. So this gate is about humility, the humble gate, if you like the gate that leads to a place where you do want to be. He said of the wide gate, it leads to a place you don't want to go. But of this gate, it leads to a place that you want to be. And it's interesting, you know, if you remember the very, very start of the Sermon on the Mount, the very, very first beatitude that he spoke, and I just quoted a moment ago, and I'll do it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The condition of our hearts plays a major role in our intentions, our integrity, our honesty, and how we honour people 
and how we honour God. And then Jesus warns, about, warns us about false prophets in sheep's clothing. And here he's talking to his followers, to us, his church. You know, there is nothing about their appearance that would cause any alarm. They don't stand out, they blend in, and, and they're just there. But, but then he says something really strong. He said, inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. And again, he uses a familiar analogy, something that people are familiar with when he, he uses the analogy of fruit-bearing trees. And he says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And again, we see that strong, lang- that strong language for that which is not useful. And it's referring also back to you are the salt of the earth. And he said, what do we do with salt that's lost its saltiness? What's it good for? It's not good for anything but to be trampled underfoot and thrown out. And here we see the same thing. There's the strong language. Jesus is warning us of something. And when Jesus speaks, we better listen because we need to get it. We need to know what it is that he's talking about. And he says, uh, you know, you will know them by their fruit. You know, we, uh, we live in a corner block, and I know, you know there's a number of people in this room that have been and visited to our house, and so you know what we've, we've got this corner block. And when we were planting the gardens, I, I built the gardens, I should, I should say. I tend the gardens. Yeah, no, no, but I did the hard, I did the hard stuff, right? She gets the easy bit, all right? So all she has to do is weed them, water them, basically just plant stuff. It's easy. You know, I did the hard yakers. But uh, when she was planting the gardens out, she planted these two sticks. And I said, well, what on earth are they? She said, they're fruit trees. And I thought, why would you plant fruit trees on the footpath? It's like, well, it's close to the footpath. <laughs> anyway, because they were just sticks to me. It was just these little things. Anyway, that was only a few years ago. And so they have grown now. They've grown. They're probably about, I reckon they're about that big. Oh, they're not bigger. Stop exaggerating. Tell the truth, you're a Christian. They're about that big. Right, and uh, and this year, like honestly, so one's a mandarin tree and one's a lime. Like, is it lime? Lime. I don't know what we use those for. But anyway, one's limes, and this year, oh my goodness, you should have seen how much fruit came out of these little trees. And I thought, how can that even be happening? Because we don't give them any. Like, well, I don't. Yeah. I I don't give them any TLC at all. But uh, apparently, somebody must. But. They, they were producing this beautiful fruit. And that was really tasty as well. And I came to realise that, you know, they're doing their own thing because they are firmly planted and deeply rooted. And one of the things I think that's important for us uh, when, we, when we look at this scripture is God wants us to be firmly planted and deeply rooted in the things of the Spirit and the things of his word. So what is this fruit that we're looking for? He says, you'll know them by their fruit. What is it? Well, we know, we know it really well. And we find it in Galatians chapter 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience and goodness. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's mercy and it's self-control. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about that he's looking for throughout the Scripture. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. And so I, as I was preparing this, I really felt the Lord saying, let's do a self-check. Let's go through these things one by one. Let's do a self-check and see how we're going in looking at, the, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is a beauty. It's love. And uh, who hasn't got love? Hands up if you don't have any love. Yeah, I thought so. So we've all got love, haven't we? 
And it's really easy. We think, right, okay, that's cool. We've got that one. We can check the box. We've got love. We're good there. But are we really? You know, it comes down to what kind of love do we have? Do we have the kind of love that's conditional, the kind of love that says to someone, if you behave a certain way or act a certain way or do certain things, then I'll love you. You know, and I think without even thinking about oftentimes we, we don't like to admit it, but I think we actually love conditionally. I really do. But the love that, that, that we're talking about here, the love of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's an unconditional love. Well, we love people unconditionally, just like, just like Christ loved us. Well, we love them totally unconditionally. You know, it, uh, the word tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us because he didn't care. He just loved us beautifully. The next one is joy. And joy is uh, so much, like oftentimes people think joy is happiness, but it's not. Because happiness, there are a lot of things that can make you happy, right? And there, are, and there are a lot of things that can make you unhappy. And, uh, and so joy is so much different to that. And I want to actually read what I wrote here about joy. It says this, Joy is such a deep-rooted gift of the Spirit that once it takes hold of us, it cannot be shaken. No matter what comes against us, His joy carries us through, safe in the knowledge that we don't journey through life on our own. That's joy. That's the joy of the Lord that enters into our hearts, you know, and it's deep and it's deep-rooted and it's got nothing to do with happiness, but it's deep, it's there, and nothing can shake it. And uh, it reminded me as I was putting this together about many, many years ago, and I don't think there's too many people in this room that would be old enough to remember this song. Maybe one or two. But we used to sing a song way back in the day about, um, it says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And it was a ridiculously stupid song. And it was like this little ditty and you had to, you sort of sung it, you had to laugh as you were singing it, right? And it was ridiculous. It went something like, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And you repeat that line a few times and then you got to the chorus. The chorus was even worse. Ha, 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 ha. There's some people, you know it. Bev, you're looking very sheepish over there. <laughs> but it was a ridiculous little ditty, you know. But, hey, it was supposed to get us full of the joy of the Lord. And you're all laughing, weren't you? So it kind of worked. The most joyful thing about that song is that we don't sing it anymore. It's really good. So peace. Peace is the next one. And peace is, what is the opposite of peace? The opposite to peace is anguish. And so what is it that can steal your peace away? You know, it's so easy to have our peace just taken from us. And I remember, um, who likes to go to the major shopping centres at Christmas time and try and find a parking spot? Nobody likes to go there, right? Well, I remember one Christmas, our, our local shopping centre is Green Hills and it's not as big as Charlestown Square, but it's pretty close. They keep building and making it bigger. And in, Char- and in, and in Green Hill Shopping Centre, I've got a place where I've got my row. It's my row right? I park in my row. And every time I go there, I go to my row because that's where I park. There's always a park in my row. And it was Christmas time and the, there was cars were in and they're all, all driving around looking and I went straight to my row because that's where God's going to get me a park. And I get to my row and, I, and, I'm, and it was full and, and I seen a guy and he was getting into his car. Oh, oh it's mine. And I sat there, I put my blinker on, I was ready to sort of make the right hand turn in when he backed out. 
and I'm sitting there, my blinker's going, and he backed out that way, and then as he drove this way past me, somebody came up behind him and drove straight into my... And it didn't do anything for my peace, let me tell you. It also robbed quite a fair bit of my joy also, I might add. But, you know, so much can rob our peace. The peace of the Lord Jesus said this. He said in John 14, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give, because so, so much of the peace that we get from the world can be taken from us. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. So the question is, are you a person of peace? The next one we're going to look at is patience. And now we're getting a little bit of the nitty-gritty. We're getting a little, a little bit of this, how, how are we with others? How are you with other people? Do you have time for people to listen to this story? You know, it's, um, I remember when we were first coming into ministry and Vicky's dad, he gave us a little bit of advice. He said, you know, everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. And we, and we need to learn to be able to have the patience to take the time to sit and listen to people's story and be interested and be engaged with them. And it's an important thing that we do that. You know, and sometimes, you know, you get to the point they'll be like, oh, man, this guy's just trying my patience. That's when you know it's not, it's not the, the, the patience we get for it, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the, the patience that the fruit of the Spirit gives is not one that causes us to clench our teeth and endure being in someone's presence, but it's genuine and it's real. You know, do we have time for people, all people, regardless of who they are? The next one we look at is goodness. Are you a good person? How do you know? You know, if I, you ask that question, I mean, nobody's going to say, no, I'm not a good bloke, mate. No, I'm terrible. <laughs> You're just not going to say it, are you? No, because we do. We all think we're a good person, but how do we know? You know, and I know sometimes I can walk into a room and there'll be a conversation going on and they'll be talking and somebody will drop a name like they might drop Shep's name. And I'll go, oh, Shep, he's a top bloke. He's a good guy. I really got a lot of time for Shep because you're a good guy, you know? And, we, and we, can, we, we do that. So what is goodness? You know, you can't give yourself goodness. Goodness is bestowed upon you from other people by who you are. When they get to know who you really are, when people get to know who you are, then they can make a determination about whether you're a good guy or a bad guy or, a, or, or an in-between guy. There's lots of in-between guys around. But, be, but goodness, the goodness of the Lord. Kindness. Do we show kindness to people? How do you speak about others? Right, even those that have wronged you, and again, it's coming. Again, you can come into a room, and there might be a conversation, you know, where people are talking about someone, and, and maybe something's being said that's a bit unkind. And you can come in, and you listen to that, and you, what, did you, what do you do? Do you jump in and become part of that conversation, or do you stand and go, "Hang on a minute, I know that person. And that's not normally how they are. I wonder what's going on in their world that we that you don't know about. You know, we need to be able to speak kindly about other people." You know, it says somewhere in the Bible, I can't, I can't remember exactly where it is, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. We need to learn, learn how to have the kindness of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit and speak kindly about, um, about people regardless. Gentleness, are you a gentle person or are you a bit abrasive? Is there a calmness in your spirit that makes people to be comfortable to be around you? There was a time not too long ago where men were often referred to as gentlemen. And they were usually men of good moral standing, men of good character, men of good uh, integrity, men of honour. 
And you know, the, the, the beautiful thing is that, that a woman, regardless of whether she was a wife or didn't matter, a woman knew that she was safe whenever she was in the presence of a gentleman because he would always look out for her. Gentleness, it's a different, it's a different fruit of the Spirit, but one we need to look at. Mercy is the, the next one. Are we merciful towards others or, we forgive, or, are we quick, or are we quick to forgive those that have hurt you? Or do we hang on? To, those, to the things that we've been hurt by and wear it like a badge. How easily we do that, don't we? And again, you can walk into a room somewhere and it'll be a conversation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in this message about walking into a room with conversations because that's, that's part of what happens in our world. We walk into situations, don't we? And we can walk into a situation and, and there might be a conversation about somebody going on and, and, and you might say, oh, mate, don't talk to me about that bloke. You don't know what that bloke did to me, but let me tell you. And then you start to unfold what, what that person did to you. And what are you doing? You're, you're showing them your badge. This is the badge that I'm wearing and I'm carrying because of what that person's done to me. And again, we can apply that same scripture that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mercy, are we merciful towards others? For those of us that have received mercy, we should be quick to disperse mercy to those around us. The last one and the biggie, self-control. Oh, if we can get a hold of this one. Like, you know, it's just so hard, isn't it? Like sometimes, you know, how, how do we respond to situations? How do we respond to circumstances that we often find ourselves in? You know, do we, do we react or do we respond? Sometimes you, something hits you all of a sudden from nowhere. It comes from left field and you hang on a minute and you can react. You can go straight in. You can launch straight in. You can go into the defensive thing or you can go, hang on a minute. Just let me take a step back and go, Lord, what do I do in this situation? And we can we can we can get our, our we can be you know people that are full of self control. Are we able to maintain our dignity, our honesty, and our integrity no matter what comes our way? I was thinking when I was putting this together too, and we've been watching the Olympics, uh, the Commonwealth Games, and uh, there was a, a coach. I don't think it was at the Olympics. I think it was somewhere else, one of the games or something. And it was a swimming coach, and. Uh, Anyway, his swimmer was his swimmer won a medal or gold medal. I don't know what it was. Once, you're you're not. You know what I'm going to talk. The, that guy, that the guy that she said, right? And so this, and so swimmer. Well, this guy was believe. Yes, right. He's all over the place. You know, he was up and down the balcony. You know, like self control went right out the window. But he was so full of the joy of what was going on. It was just so good to watch. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what God's, uh, Jesus is referring to when he says, you'll know them by their fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, Jesus, the fruit is the gift of being filled with and subject to and demonstrating the Spirit of God in our daily lives. And it matters. It really matters. It matters a lot, guys. And, and, and it matters. So why does it matter? It matters because the end of this particular passage of Scripture can be a little bit scary. And, it's, and, and, and Jesus says at the end of this, he says, Not everyone will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. And it's a scary bit of scripture. And here we hear the cry of those who are obviously, they're in the church, they've prophesied, they've cast out demons and performed wonders, what, in his name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. You know, just because we see signs and wonders and miracles when we pray for somebody in his name, 
doesn't necessarily mean that our relationship with him is as it should be because there's something more that he's looking for. And the disciples knew this. We read in Luke chapter 9, verses 49. He said, And John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. And Jesus said to him, Don't forbid him, because he who is not against us is on our side. You know, the power, the authority of his name carried... His name carries such authority that the enemy has no choice but to surrender to the name of Jesus. Did you know that? He's got no choice but to surrender and bow to the name of Jesus. And uh, it's, 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 it's such an incredible... You know, he's tried so hard to reduce the name of Jesus to a swear word, hasn't he? And we hear it all the time. I, I worked with a guy once and he was having a bad day. He was kept hitting himself on the head and hitting himself with hammers and, and, and all the way through, like, he, he, Jesus Christ, this one, Jesus Christ. And I said to him, mate, like, lighten up. Like, you know, so I'm the Christian and, and you, use, you use Jesus' name more than I do. And he's gone, no, I don't. He had no idea, no idea whatsoever because the enemy has reduced that name because it carries power and it carries authority and when we use that name correctly he has no choice but to surrender to that name when was the last time you heard someone hit their hit their thumb with a hammer and go oh buddha doesn't it doesn't it? kick their toe oh Muhammad. Oh. doesn't happen doesn't happen does it it's the name of jesus it's, our, it's the name of our Saviour. And, uh, you know, we must be in a right relationship with him, deeply rooted and planted and bearing the fruit of his spirit. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Ravenous wolves. It's, hard, it's a hard, hard word that the Lord is speaking here. But we need to hear it. We need to get it. We need to know what it is that Jesus is trying to get through to us. Ravenous wolves. Well-meaning people with the best of intentions, unaware that they've given the enemy a place. You know, we can get so easily caught up in the conversations that, that, that are going around us. We can so easily become part of that, you know, that we give the enemy a place without even really realising it. Are we ravenous wolves? I don't know. Are we wolves in sheep's clothing? I don't know. But what I do know is that if we're full of the Spirit, if we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and we allow him to lead, and lead us and direct us and guide us, then I know that we're, we're on the right path. You know, I'm sure there have been times throughout my life where I've been guilty of doing all of those things. My actions and my thoughts and my words, you know, probably haven't been as they should be. But what is also so very, very good is that Jesus is full of grace and mercy. And as soon as we come and we realise that, we that we've messed up, that we've blown it a little bit, and we come to him in repentance, he is just and the first thing that he does is he embraces us. 
He loves it when we come to him in repentance and he embraces us and he says, it's okay. And he, he immediately forgives us, forgives us of that sin and he restores us to full status as a son and a daughter of God. And it's amazing. It is so amazing. And, uh, you know, one thing I never want to hear, I don't ever want to get to the place where I hear those words, I never knew you. So the question this morning is, or this morning, this evening is, which gate will you choose? Which gate will you walk through? Will you walk through the gate, right, where all the procession is, where all the people are going, there are many, there are many that find it? Or will you walk through that narrow gate? Will you walk through that humble gate? Will you be the one that says, God, I want, this is a better way. Jesus, I'm going, I want to go the way you want me to go. Will you walk through the gate that leads to life? That's the gate that, that we're called to walk through. John 17, 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. That's what we need to know. You know, this morning, I've got to stop doing this morning thing. I'm so used to being at Maitland. We do a 10 a.m. We don't do a night service down there. But, you know, this word, you know, going all through, all through those nine fruits of the Spirit, there, there'll be something there that each one of us can probably relate to. There'll be something that each one of us probably needs to repent over. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm going to hand back to Theo now and we'll, we'll get the prayer team out. But, you know, if, you, if, you, if anything in this word has resonated within you and you need prayer, don't leave this place tonight right, without getting prayer. Amen. Thank you, Theo. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.